Okay, welcome listeners to our seventh episode of the Captain's Challenge and uh, Kimbo here and over in Western Australia, we've got my good mate Sully. How's things, Sully? Yeah, going very well, Kim. Lovely to hear your voice again, my friend. Yeah, looking forward to um, another show and just enlightening people what's going on around, uh, well, around the world actually in rugby league now. So exciting times in the NRL for us here in Australia and some big news over there for you guys in um, regarding Super League. So, yeah. looking forward to, you know, looking forward to, um, yeah, broadening that as we get through the show. Yeah, not long now for the NRL to be back on the paddock. And uh, as you say, the, the Super League over here has finally put out some uh, some possibilities, three different scenarios that they've um, put out and, you know, some starting and finishing dates and a, a basic sort of structure of how how it might look at either of those uh, three dates. So, uh, But we're going to go to an interview pretty quickly here, and we've got a big star on this week, and then we'll talk about those other things after the interview. But uh, we're a little bit late in publishing the show this week, and one of the major reasons was because we were we were waiting to talk to our, our guest, who is a, a star of the game on both sides of the world, Sally. Mm. Oh, very much a star of the game, and... You know, it, it was interesting talking about his English career and what he established at Wigan and then the opportunity to come to Australia and play in the NRL with the Canberra Raiders. And as you mentioned, as we both mentioned throughout throughout the interview, he's had two games for the Raiders and he looked really, really good, Kim. So um, yeah, yeah. exciting times for the Raiders fans, I think. Yeah, definitely. It's, of course, George w- Williams that we're referring to and... Uh, you know, only, only a guy in his mid-20s who seems to have achieved so many things in the game already and now coming over here, you know, or going to Australia, sorry, to test himself in the best competition in the world. And, yeah, you know, unfortunately that was cut short by, by the coronavirus, only two games in, but uh, obviously a determined young man with, um, you know, a, a high-quality game. So, yeah, very good interview, mate. We'll, we'll go to that immediately and then uh, we'll come back and get into some other stuff. So here we go, uh, George Williams. Okay, our special guest for this week's episode of the Captain's Challenge, a, a big name for it, Sally. We've got George Williams, uh, the Canberra Raiders halfback and obviously former Wigan halfback. We'd like to welcome you on board, George. How's things over in Canberra? Yeah, hey, mate. Thanks for having me, first of all. Um, and, yeah, Canberra's getting pretty cold at the moment. So, yeah, stuck <laughs> yeah. in isolation in the cold at the moment, mate. But, yeah, just excited to um, get back and play in with training at the moment. So, um, not far now. I think it's nine days away. So, looking forward yeah. to the start of the season. Mate, getting, getting very close. And as you say, getting a bit colder down there. So, probably be uh, glad to be back in training and get some warmth back into the body with uh, the um, like your, your journey for you're only 25, going on 26 later this year, and uh, you know for people over in England, I'm sure you know probably to them feel like you're a bit older than that because you, you started at a young age in the in the the top grade here, and you you've racked up 179 games for for Wigan before leaving the country. But on this show, we like to have a focus on on your pathway to the top and. Um, you know, just reading through your background, you, you're Wigan born and bred. Uh, what, what were your local junior clubs there as you were coming through? Uh, yeah, like you said, Wigan born and bred. I, I, I was a bit of um, a club slot, man. I had a couple of, a couple of teams there. I um, 
I started at Wigan St. Pats and then uh, I worked my way over to uh, Intros Bridge, which is massive rivals in in Wigan. So I like for that with, with some people at St. Pats. Um, yeah, so I stayed there all the way up to six years old before I was just time for, for Wigan full time then. Yeah, was that um, you came through their scholarship program and, and then onto their academy and you actually debuted for the the first squad while you were still in the academy, but the, the scholarship then was at um, 15s and 16s age group at that point? It, uh, no, that's what it is at the moment. I I was luckily, I got signed at 12 years old, which looking back now is quite well, quite yeah. odd. And they, they don't, they don't mm. do it uh, nowadays kind of thing. Um, when I think back, it's a lot of pressure for a 12-year-old to get signed by Wigan, but obviously yeah. I was over the moon, Wigan supporter as a kid. and um, I remember... I was made up about the scholarship, but I got I was able to ball boy at the games and I got a scholarship. <laughs> so was, at that age, I was over the moon that I could just ball boy and <laughs> yeah. next to the team. So um, seems a fair while ago now. Obviously, yeah. I feel like I'm getting, like I said, 25, 26. Yeah. But um, yeah, good memories. And um, yeah, yeah I, I just remember that day when I got the phone call that I'd get a scholarship at Wigan. It was like a dream come true, you know. Yeah, See, mate. 12 years old. Wow, eh? <laughs> I tell you what, though, how good was it being ball boy? Oh, the best. <laughs> My, uh, yeah, I'll probably say later on, but uh, as a kid looking up, Trent Barrett was my like, idol, obviously, playing halfback and then playing halfback. He was at Wigan and um, I absolutely loved him. So I'd, I was buzzing just to be within five or ten feet of him every week. <laughs> he's a good uh, mate, as Sally's uh, is. So, yeah. um, he's a good man, Baz. Yeah. But Sully asked about the ball boys because his ball boys have been, um, oh, his son, sorry, have been ball boys for several games, including the state of origin last year, weren't you, Sully? Yeah, yeah, the, the young fella, Jonah, got the opportunity, had, a, had an absolute ball. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I can imagine. So in the scholarship, um, you, you then graduated into the academy and uh, that was under 19 at, at the time uh, over here. It's gone back to under 18, so it's had a few different age groups over the years. But uh, what age were you when you first, when you first played academy? Um, yeah, we signed at 16 and at the time it was under 18s and under 20s. Yep. So there was okay. quite a lot of uh, 16, 17-year-olds playing in the under 18s and then the, the boys that were pushing for the first team, it was 19, they'd been in the, the under-20s kind of thing. So it was definitely like a step up from, obviously, local rugby to, mm-hmm. to then the academy, which I found really good, at, like a test playing against bigger bodies and uh, more experienced blokes. Um, but I was quite fortunate. Again, I got fast-tracked to the under-20s after after one year of, of my first year of playing under-18. So, again, I was just learning on the move, really. It was all happening pretty quick for me. and. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Luckily enough, it, it it went all right, and I, I stayed in that for a, a year or two before, obviously making my debut. With, with the academy program, then were you doing? Uh, were you still at college? Were you doing one of these like BTEC programs? What you know was that part of the the contract, or how was the setup there at Wigan? Yeah, perfectly right, mate. I um, I was in the brightest work in, in school, if I'm honest. I went the cleverest floor. <laughs> but um, I was more rugby league than anything. Um, but yeah, I had, a, I had a crack. I, I tried my best kind of thing. And um, I, I took a BTEC with, with the club. Like I said, I signed a contract and took a BTEC yep. with Wigan. Um, but fortunate again, like I mentioned, I, I went full-time with the first team after 
a year or so doing that. So I had to drop all my, my education, which is something I to probably go back to now. Um, but yeah, I'll have to have a look at what I really want to do because at the moment I'm obviously just focused on trying to make a stamp on the NRL. Yeah, yeah. yeah you debuted during that academy year and uh, initially in the Challenge Cup and scored a try. And then uh, later yeah. that year um, in the Super League competition and, and scored another try. Yeah. The previous year, though, um, no, it was that year, sorry. You, you went down to the South Wales Scorpions on, on loan and had a game down there. We, we talked to Joe Bullock a couple of weeks ago and he did the same thing. Was that the same year? Were you in the same group as Joe? Yeah, well, it was a, it was a feeder club for Wigan at that time. I'm not sure yeah. why. It was, it was yeah, nowhere near Wigan. But, yeah. yeah, it was nowhere near. But again, it was just another experience for me before I played first team, I think, just to go against men, go against yeah. those, those bigger bodies. and. Yeah. Yeah, and I ended up being uh, I had an ankle injury and was out for six weeks after it, so it didn't go too well. <laughs> Played one game and they never sent me back down there, so um, yeah, I did my ankle. So that that was a big year, and as I said, they booed then for the first team, and then um, 2014 you you became more of a regular, but, but was that mainly off the bench? And uh, I know Blake Green was one of the halves. Who was the other halfback at that time? Yeah, it was Blake Green and Matty Smith. Um, yeah. They won the they won the comp in 2013. Um, obviously, them two went really well. And yeah. um, I just had a play prop, I'd have played anywhere. I just wanted to get in the team. And, yeah. Yeah. and I was coming off the bench playing hooker, um, which I think put me in really good stead physically, like I've mentioned a fair few times now. He's just been in the middle and um, yeah. getting whacked about a little bit. I was only 85. In the middle, they're trying to mix it with the big boys, but um, yeah. it, it put me in good stead for the rest of my career, and it made me probably enjoy tackling um, a lot more than some halfbacks do. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I think that can definitely help you. And it, it's interesting, you know, as we do these interviews over over the weeks, um, that the guys have grown up and had a taste of a, a different position and. You know, it quite often helps their game in, in the final position they settle on. And for you, it's probably the defensive side, as you said, that, that really helped. Um, yeah, you know, sometimes it can definitely help your career rather than hinder it. But, uh, but for you then, Blake Green moved on uh, at the end of 2014. That opened up that opportunity for the number six jersey. And uh, um, over here, Sully, as you probably know, they... they um, they assign you a number before the season starts, and that's your number the whole year. We're in Australia. We don't tend to do that. It's just, you know, whoever's in the 17 from week to week, you get the number one to 17. But, you know, that, that must be a pretty good moment for you, George, to, to secure that number six jersey in pre-season and, uh, and then, you know, go on to play pretty well every game that year. Did, you know, is that a proud moment for you? Yeah, really proud. Um, like I touched on before, I was a Wigan fan growing up in my year old wore the number six Trent Barrett. So to, for me to get that as a twenty year old was was a massive um statement for um Sean Wayne at the time as a coach. He just he's, he's trusted me and um he gave me a massive confidence going forward and yeah, that was probably my, my break for a year. Obviously the year before I was just happy to play anyone. But 2015 was the first year I made my little bit of a mark on the Super League and um, yeah. luckily enough I, I managed to get Young Player of the Year that year which I, I didn't expect at all I was just over the moon to be playing every week and like I said I played pretty, pretty well I played okay and 
Um, yeah, I got a few rewards on the back of that. Made my England debut that year as yes. well. Was, yeah. Someone told me at the start of the year that had happened. I'd have, I'd have laughed at them. So it was um, quite a, one of the best years of my life. And yeah. uh, very grateful for that. Yeah, so George, what George one? Sorry, man. Just 21. 21. You made your uh, English debut. 20, I think. I was just yeah, turning 21 20. there. Yeah. Yeah, so pretty yeah. young. Yeah, incredible. Sally? George, the the one thing, and, and Kim said, and you said yourself, you played um, you know, you know, you felt like you played a, a lot of footy that year. You put, you played thirty three games, and then from year to year to year to year, um, you've been consistently playing, mate. You've really had an injury free run, haven't you, in your time at Wigan? Yeah, Touchwood, I've had a pretty good run. I um, I think there's, I can only remember one injuries where uh, I did my knee for like six weeks in the whole time, which mm. Touchwood is a it's pretty good in, like I said, over four or five, maybe six yeah. seasons. It's six seasons. good. You'd, yeah, you'd take that definitely. So hopefully that can remain and um, stay injury-free because that's the, that's the main thing. You can only play good rugby if you're on the field. The, um, yeah. You look over those last, say, four years at, at Hull and um, from 2016 on, it was a great period for the for the club and it, 2016, you um, played in the World Cup Challenge against the Broncos, although that was a loss. But then a grand final win that year versus Warrington. On the 2017, a World Club Challenge win against uh, my beloved Sharks. So, won't hold that against you, mate, but that's, that's a great achievement. And then <laughs> Challenge Cup lost to Hull. It wasn't a great year in the Super League um, that year. But then 2018, you the club bounces back, a grand final win over Warrington. And, and that, of course, was Sean Wayne's last game as coach. So a yeah, massive thing for the club. And then, um, yeah, your last season there, I guess by Wigan standards, you know, get, getting knocked out by Salford in the semi-finals actually at that game. Um, um, a little bit of a disappointment, I guess, for you in your, in your last game there. But as Sully said, you played a lot of footy during that period, but just some... some Outstanding um, opportunities, you know, to, to come away with some silverware, but play in the biggest games um, consistently, you know, in the English calendar, plus some um, test matches along the way, a World Cup in, in that time. So, um, is there any standout memories of, of that period, mate? There's probably quite a few by the, the list I've just gone through, but does one really stand out above the others? Uh, yeah, it's got to be the, the first jump final I went to, wasn't it? 16. Um, yeah. Like I said, I, I, I rocked into the first team and I was, it was great Wigan teams. It was easy for me to play in. We made the final in 14 and 15 and I played in both and lost. And I, I was heartbroken. Um, yeah. And I thought, I'm never going to win one. I thought, <laughs> you just never know when you'll be back in that stage. And um, obviously, losing two on the bounce, I thought, it's never going to happen for me. And then uh, 2016, we had a, a real young start at Wigan. Um, Quite a few boys that I've, I've come through like, local rugby with, and my best friends, and uh, to win that at the end, it was. There was I was 21. Um, Lewis Tina was 21. Old Gilda was 20. Uh, John Bateman, Ryan Sutton, we was all 21, 22 at that time, and, and real good friends. So mm. we won the comp together, and pretty rare that you get that from being friends from 14, 15 to go all the way through and, and win competition. So that that game stands out for me, and. Yeah, probably the 2018 Grand Final, you can't beat winning, mate. It's, it's the best thing. And just the send-off for, for them boys that I've mentioned, Sutty, yeah. Batty, 
Sam Tompkins and Sean Wayne left. It just it was a third tail ended. I didn't really get that this year. The last year, sorry. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's brilliant. That is brilliant. Absolutely brilliant, mate. And then obviously July last year, you make a decision that the attraction of the NRL and mate, what was the what was obviously you wanted to play in the NRL, but the attraction of the Raiders. You just mentioned that man, John Bateman. Was that a bit of a big lure for you to go to the Raiders, or maybe to be coached by Ricky Stewart as well? Yeah, both. Um, it just, I've said it a few times, it just made perfect sense to me at the time. I was, not that it was getting still, we're going to just looking to, to challenge myself. Like I said, I've always wanted to play in the NRL. Challenge myself against the best competition in the world. We, we all know that it's the best competition in the world. Uh, I've always wanted to do that as a kid, so I thought, I'm not getting any younger. Not that I'm old, but 24, 25, I think it was the right time for me and my career to, to come over. Um, and yeah, it helps when there's, there's four of English blokes in the team. They was all texting me, ringing me, telling me <laughs> Canberra's the best place in the world just to get me over. <laughs> but, <laughs> but yeah, um, it, it just fit perfect. It was going so well. The team was going so well. It looked like it was going places. And like I said, I've got good friends here. And then Sticky and uh, Don, some of the dream and all the lads back to what they were saying. So it, it just made perfect sense. Mm. Uh, do you live with... Some of the the uh, Wigan boys there, mate. Do you live with John Bateman or anyone? Or are you? No, my my missus come over. Oh, she, uh, yeah, great. She, yeah. she only got here in March, but I I moved in with Ryan Sutton for the first eight weeks just to just to settle in before she came over. So yeah, he looked after me. Yeah, <laughs> Kim and George. The reason I I did ask George, you know, obviously I, I did mention you played a lot of footy in a short time. In you know, in that six years, as you said. As Kim mentioned, 179 games to Wigan and international footy. Mate, sometimes a little break doesn't hurt a bloke like yourself. You know, we've seen in this COVID time. And do you think it's been a hindrance or a, or a help um, now you're back on the track? Um, I'm not too sure. I reckon we'll only find out when I when I start back playing. But um, yeah. the body's feeling good. Obviously, the pre-season's a real tough over here. And we've, we've got – that's a one massive – Factor that I found I got here and uh, at Wigan in pre-season we'd be doing like six or seven k days would be like a huge day in pre-season. I get here yep. and we're doing ten ten k days, eleven k days, and I'm like it's a bit of a shock to the system. So um, it's been good for me to to adapt in that way. Obviously, I knew that was going to come once we got back into training. So I've been training on my own, preparing for that, and um, I felt pretty good going back into training, mate. So yeah, hopefully that's put me into good stead and um, I'm up to speed with everything now. Mm. Yeah, your first two games were very encouraging. You have that um, we've sometimes seen in the past. You know, it takes uh, the English guys a, a few games to adapt to the Australian style of play. But uh, you were very impressive there, mate, and the, you know you looked comfortable. So um, really looking forward to getting you or seeing you back on the paddock and seeing you uh, play for the rest of this year. And that, how long do you contract? My contract uh, three years, so I've got yeah. this and, and oh. two more. So. Yeah. yeah. Oh, brilliant. My God. Hey, Kim, you're funny you yeah. mentioned that because yeah. that's the one big thing. And you talk about partnerships, and we've seen straight away, they're like hand in glove, George and Jack White together. They've just looked like, you know, okay, we'll be okay together, I think, because um, it looks like you freed up Jack White's running game in those first two games as well. So, but their combination, early doors, mate, Raiders fans will be salivating. <laughs> Yeah, it's good. I'm I'm enjoying it. He's um he's obviously a great player and he was he was fantastic last year moving from full back to five eight last year. So um yeah. and Josh Hudson helps us both, mate. He, he's brilliant in the middle there. 
he frees us both up to do what we want and then link together. So yeah. we've got a good little spine and, and <laughs> Chan's at the back. He's a great player too. Yeah. So we've yeah. got a good little combination going on there. Yeah, I do. It's got to be very close to, to the number one spine in the competition when you when you break it down. Um, yeah, the exciting times ahead at the Raiders. But the, the other thing I'd want to ask you about, Australians are notorious for giving nicknames. Now, I've read that you've got a nickname from your Wigan days. It had something to do with your nose or your size of your nose. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, is that, is that still on or have they got a new one for you? Mate? Yeah, it's a fair size, I can see there, yeah. <laughs> no, I've not. I've not really got one here at the moment, uh, unless they're not telling me behind my back. But uh, no, <laughs> I'm, not I'm sure it'll come. Yeah, it's yeah, probably because you haven't seen them too much during uh, lockdown. <laughs> but I'm sure it'll yeah. come. Oh, mate, it's sure been, more than yeah, it's been um, enlightening uh, listening to you, and um, especially you know the background to, to how you got where you are. But now it's time for the high pressure part of the interview, mate. Sully's um, got some questions loaded up for you, so I'll, I'll hand you over to Sully. Kim, I've got to, before I hit 60 seconds with Sully, I've got to ask George. Yep. George, you watched any movies lately? I've heard you, you like a movie, and the one you watched lately got you a bit emotional. Am I right? Or? Yeah, it got me. It got me good. I was, I was in tears on the couch. <laughs> I watched, oh, Marley, uh, eh? <laughs> yeah, Mally and me and my missus. I, my dog passed away last year, so I refused to watch it. I just wouldn't watch it. And anyway, I, I grew some balls. I, I got on the coach, watched it, and then there I was sobbing at the end. So, that was good. <laughs> uh, good on you, mate. Good on you. Now, here it is. 60 seconds with Sally. Tick, tick, tick. Your favourite holiday spot? Dubai. Oh, wow, yeah. Favourite other sport? Football. You call it soccer. Yep. What can't you live without? Uh, my phone. <laughs> <laughs> Greatest influence on your life? Um, just got to be my, my family, my mum and dad probably. Yep. Favourite food? Ooh, Sunday roast. <laughs> well, Favourite non-NRL rugby league competition and a team from that comp? Um, just... Super League and Wigan Warriors. There you go. Yeah. And if you're down to your last fifty dollars, how would you spend it? Oh, I don't know. I probably gamble it see if I can get some more. <laughs> That's been a common answer. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, very, very good, mate. Thanks for spending sixty seconds with Sally. And before we let you go, obviously, um, exciting times ahead for the Raiders and as they move forward, mate. How have you? How have you found the hub situation the last couple of weeks? It's it's probably been pretty intense training and, and now a little bit of contact's about to happen. So the bodies might be sore coming in the next week's game. Yeah, a little bit. Is, like I said, when you've not really... We've obviously had um, programs you've got to do while we've not been in training. So you can run and stuff, but the actual contact side of things is a little bit different. Um, we've been doing plenty of wrestle sessions, so my body's pretty, bit, uh, pretty sore, sorry. But yeah, we'll be ready to go round one and... Um, I've never played against Melbourne before so that'll be a good test for me and um, I know they're very consistent and good in what they do so I look forward to that challenge Yeah, it's oh, going to be an exciting challenge Well, <laughs> it's going to be interesting with the, the one ref and um, the new ruck rules especially Melbourne because it's what they're renowned for for, 
for being very good at that part of the game. So I'm probably going to watch that game with more interest than any other game in week one and to see, mm. yeah, how those rules have affected um, both teams. Has, has that been spoken about? Has that been brought into training yet at all? George, you know, has it been a, a team focus with, with the new rules around the ruck? Um, no, not too much. You just obviously said they want to... Um, Volandis came out saying he wants to speed the game up and um, obviously with, with one ref I reckon that, that that could happen maybe I'm not too sure mm. but I'll just have to test and trial mate really I'm not too sure I, I'll just yeah. get up yeah. put my boots on and Fly play on the, the game I'm not, I'm not yeah. too interested <laughs> yeah no that's fair enough I mean the other interesting point there's probably the two best hookers in the game um, at each other you know in the, in the first round under these um, new condition so just makes it even more interesting for, for me as a coach and observer there to see how um Cameron and Josh take advantage or, or change their game around these new rules it's going to be very interesting um, um yeah it's a little side point a little bit of extra interest I guess in that game but maybe uh, cracking game whatever way mate two of the the absolute heavyweights of the comp and uh two of the favorites so we're looking forward to that we, we wish you all the best thank you for your time mate spoken very well and um, yeah it's been great to listen to your background as I've said so looking forward now to just seeing you back on the paddock yes, mate. thank you very much thank you both having me thanks George see you mate all the best son thank you okay Sully you um, spoke very well did George and uh, can't wait to see him back on the paddock this week but uh, as I mentioned before we went into that interview um, yeah still a young guy still plenty of footy ahead of ahead of him so you know still uh, a great opportunity for him to achieve even more in the game and yeah already you know done everything in the game over in England so very good chance at Canberra to you know add a premiership in the NRL to his name. Oh absolutely and um, another guest that we just love to keep talking to but (laughs) time doesn't permit but um, yeah no he's a he's a young man that's um pretty happy with himself he's enjoying life and uh, as you say and I, I and I asked him throughout that in, interview Kim I yeah and I, I'll talk to you about it now but I don't think the break would have hurt someone like him because he's played a lot of footy in that six years hasn't he yeah you know he's yep. he, he's averaging high 20s 20 in, in England you play a lot of footy of course yes yeah but I don't think the break will hurt him so um be interesting to see as I say Raiders fans the combination with him and White and looked pretty good in the first two games and Yep. There was one incident in their first game, Kim, that I, I remember he, he he had the opportunity to pass it left and he yep. took the line on and and got tackled before. And if he passes the ball, they score. But it's yep. just that difference in probably both, you know, the Super League and the NRL, whereas you shift the ball, they score. But he just yep. decided to take him on and he got cleaned up. But yep. I'm pretty sure if he's in the same situation again, he won't be taking them on. Yeah, the defence is definitely uh, better in the NRL, but yeah, you you want a half who's going to back himself as well. So he'll he'll find that balance very quickly, and he's mm. uh, yeah, obviously experienced enough and good enough player to, to work that out very quickly. But uh, yeah, those first two games were very high quality, and he's adjusted immediately, uh, yeah, to to the game over in Australia. So um, I can't wait for that game, Canberra and Melbourne. That, that's going to be. Oh. Yeah. Sensational. First first round but, um, back. Um that, that for me is a game of the round. And as I mentioned, that you know, probably the two best 
hookers in the game. Maybe Damien Cook, you put in that same class as Cameron Smith and Hodgson. Yeah, that's the interesting factor to me with the new um, uh, one referee in the, the six again rule at the ruck and you know, it might just open the, the game up for good hookers, good running hookers, hookers and halves with good vision and just uh, spotting you know opportunities around the ruck, particularly the six again rule because that that's going to put um, uh, defences under enormous fatigue to defend two full sets or two sets in a row, even without just that little mini 15, 30-second break that you get when it's a penalty and you kick for touch rather than, uh, you know, just play on. So um, it's going to define the um, the way of quite a few teams play. And I'm, as a coach, incredibly interested to watch how that unfolds. Well, you'll see plenty of wingers putting their hand up, give me the ball, give me the ball. 20 metres out from the trial line with this new six to go. Don't worry about that. Yeah. The, yeah. the one thing with George, and looking at Joy, as you say, he's 25 years old, approaching 26. Yeah. He's given himself, and he left England at the highest level. That's the bottom line. See? So yeah. he's given himself a wonderful opportunity to go back to England and finish his career there, hasn't he? See? So, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, it's really it's set up point. nicely for him. And as I said, he spoke very, very well. Yeah, well, while well, we're on, I guess, um, Mm. An English point of view there with uh, George. The, the Super League over here have put out three different scenarios. And, and for our listeners in Australia, they might not be uh, aware of um, you know the options that are available uh, over here. So you know, the coronavirus has certainly taken a bigger toll over here and it's taking a lot longer to recover than in Australia. So the, the Super League have come out and... There's been a proposal leaked by someone this week. <laughs> that, um, it it will wasn't be, me. No, it will be discussed by the clubs um, on Thursday. So right. three different scenarios. Scenario one, these yep. are all come back to play on August 16th. Now, there's been a couple of games that were postponed um, and Huddersfield had one postponed due to weather, actually not not due to coronavirus, uh, postponed. so this was before we, we had the lockdown. So those games need to be played before August 16th, right? Any postponed games in that first seven rounds. So, um, yep. But then we get to August 16th and uh, we recommence the competition. So first one is to recommence August 16th, play 22 games and have a grand final on 28th of November. The second proposal is to start on August 16th, play 24 games and have the grand final on the 12th of December, so two weeks later. And then the final proposal is uh, 16th of August again, play 28 games and have a grand final on the 16th of January. All of these proposals include the Challenge Cup. Okay, still play the Challenge Cup. So, um, right. So you, you look at those things and it throws up to me, some serious concerns. Each of those uh, proposals also involves playing uh, some midweek rounds, a minimum of four midweek rounds. Yeah. A minimum of four on top of your weekend games and Challenge Cup for those teams still involved. So um, that's a big ask on a squad of players and particularly... If um, you don't have any competitions underneath the Super League to be maintaining match fitness for your bottom half of your squad from week to week, so um, yeah, the, 
that's a player welfare thing to me is the biggest issue with any of those proposals. Uh, you then, if you go to the the last two, the, the second and third proposals, finishing 12th of December or finishing oh. 16th of January. Now, Super League this year and the proposed starting date for next year, uh, the last weekend in January, around the 28th of January. So if you go to the third proposal, you, you finish one season, you have a week off, you're into the next season. Yeah, no, they won't let it happen. So they, they can't do that without compromising next season. You know, you'd have to push back the start date of next season or or shorten the season next year, which to me isn't a bad thing because to me the season's over here way too long, like just way too long, especially when you include the Challenge Cup as well. Um, even the second one, finishing mid-December and then if you're starting again, the competition that you know starts again late January. You, you don't have an off season. You, you might again no. have a week off, and then you start training. So, to me, the, the question is: Do we compromise two seasons just to get in enough games to satisfy? I, I assume this is to satisfy Sky Sport and the owners to bring money into the clubs. You know, and I, I can understand that money makes the world go round, and but the players make the competition go round. And if we don't pay attention to player welfare, then we're doing long-term damage to the competition anyway. So, so, so yeah. looking at those three proposals, obviously, me looking from over here, I would have thought the first one's perfect. 28th of November, yep. 22 games. You've still got your Challenge Cups. We're yep. going into a World Cup year next yep. year. That's the big thing. And Because if you go to the bottom one, you've got, you got blokes playing 14 months of footy going into a World Cup. Yeah. 14 months of footy, and then the World Cup of two months on the back of that. So your top players in your competition over here are playing 16 months of the high-level rugby league without a break. Um, That would also, you know, you'd have to think drastically reduce England's chances in the World Cup when they've got players under such enormous fatigue. So I'm with you. I dare say, Kim, I dare say, Kim, it'll be no crowds. Well, initially. wrong in saying that? Initially, but they're hoping to start to bring crowds in at some point after the 1st of October. But obviously, everything, you know, dependent upon government restrictions and how we're progressing in recovering right. from this forest situation. So, so there may be, yeah, some crowds that build up as your restrictions um, ease, but nothing until the 1st of October in terms of crowds. But, um, yeah, it, you know, the, the thing for me is at some point we've probably got to bite the bullet and say, well, this season, whatever we do is going to be severely compromised, so let's just cut our losses and, and go with that option one. Everything's done by the 28th of November. We do get an off-season, and you maybe still have to push the start of next season back just a little bit. But my concern, yeah, if we go the second or third options, this season's already compromised. Then you're starting the compromise next season, and effectively, you probably, you know, you probably significantly affect two seasons instead of just one. Yeah. So, and yeah. Has there been anything said about your salary cap over there as well? As there's yet? like there's been some rumours going around, but nothing official. But I think what everyone. I think expects that there'll be some reduction in salary cap mm, for next year. Okay. Um, 
And as it sits, it's 2.1 million pound at the moment. So relative to Australia, it's a, it's a lot smaller. Uh, yeah. Well, it's half. Yeah, well, even less. Yeah, you know, it's yeah less because we're 10 million. million. We? I think Australia's yeah. 9.2 at the moment. Um, and so this is effectively 4 million Australian, just probably just yeah. under. Yeah. Um, so I, I think everyone expects that it'll be reduced and that, you know, it probably needs to because the, the clubs are privately owned here in the game. They're already under enormous financial pressure. I think everyone realises and and acknowledges that. So I think everyone accepts that there'll have to be some sort of changes next year, but certainly nothing official, to my knowledge, as yet. As I said, there's a there's a meeting of all the um, stakeholders or all the Super League clubs this Thursday to discuss those options. So we'll know a bit more after that. But, uh, yeah, so that that's where we're at. Over here, mate, I hope common sense prevails and I hope player welfare is a major priority of whatever they come up with. And obviously the survival of clubs is, is a priority. But, you know, we don't have clubs without players. We don't have a competition without fit players. Um, and we need to look beyond just this season. And next year's the biggest year in rugby league, you know, with World Cup year. And so let's not compromise next year. Um Let's try and you know, just consolidate for the rest of this year and ensure that we're all back playing at the highest level possible next year. Because I'd like to be a fly on the wall on Thursday. Yeah, it'll be interesting, yeah, definitely. Yeah, um, yeah it'll be but, uh, very, very interesting. It probably leads us into the next one. Uh, over the last uh, day or two in Australia, the federal government have started to put out some, uh, <laughs> some of the, the phases or some of the... Um, the steps forward as we're trying to get community rugby league back on track. And that's quite interesting, mate, and very restrictive, um, <laughs> the info they've put out at the moment. And I, I, even before that was um, put out, we'll go through those in a second. Uh, I, I, you know, I follow the news in Australia every day with interest, and in particular the sporting and rugby league news. And I've seen over the past week there's been some bush footy clubs and competitions pulled the pull the pin for the year anyway and just, as I said, probably cut your losses for this year and we've got the philosophy of that. We've got to start looking towards next year and make sure everything's right to go and things have gotten too hard for this year. So then you look at the, the restrictions the government have put out and um, it starts to get that feeling to me that things are starting to get very difficult for clubs and for competition. So have you got that info in front of you, David? Well, well, the main one I've got is obviously the, the the caption says no grandparents, only one parent allowed, no high fives, handshakes or huddles, yep. shower and change at home and parents watch from the car. Now, mm-hmm. when people look at that, they just think they're talking about kids' footy yep. or junior sport. Well, it's not junior sport. It's senior sport as well. Yeah. And and as you're saying, you're talking about these community clubs yep. um, hoping to be able to play Mate, the bottom line is, if you can't have crowds, why are we playing community footy? You know, community sport. I know people will say, oh, people will say, oh, Sully, you know, it's good for the kids to get out and play. That's great. But when mum and dad can't watch them, um, and, oh, yeah, it's just, to me, it's just starting to get beyond me a little bit. And the problem is, Kim, as you said earlier, it's federally, this is federally. This is not state by state. This is federally done. So yeah. every state has to go in sanctions with this federal law. Yeah. So it makes it, 
Yeah, it makes yeah. it very, very difficult, as you say, for these clubs now. Mm. I know a lot of clubs over here are umming and ahhing and thinking that's in Western Australia, of course. So is it all worth it? Yeah. The the difficult or well, one of the interesting things there that so parents uh, you know of three or four kids who all play for the same club, um, a parent's got to go to a ground with the four kids, open the doors of the car, and do your best while the parent sits in the car, and then those kids are just uh, you know the responsibility of the the team coach, I'm assuming, who now has no support around him or her. To, oh, that's right. To, yeah, um, coach and manager. Run a game and do everything else. And you know, and then a parent has to sit in the car all day. You know, they might have one kid play at 9 o'clock, one at 10 o'clock, one at midday, one at 2 o'clock. And so that parent's got to sit in the car all day. The four kids are, are out doing their bit. You know, all of a sudden the responsibility of – somebody else and uh, I just can't see that working and you know we play a full contact sport but you can't high five someone after scoring a try <laughs> well that's that's what I mean are we gonna, madness. Na- the next thing the next thing is going to be are we going to have scrums are you allowed to make a tackle mm. like yeah. honestly and I know in Western Australia and I'm only talking Western Australia I know back home in group 20 and Leeton and that you can take a car in yeah. and a car can be around the ground mate there's no way known any of the councils in WA will let mm. you drive on their grounds yeah. and park up and watch footy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so you can't even watch your, your kid, you know, your car's no, that's back right. in the car park. It could be facing the wrong direction, um, you know, oh. no, no view of the ground whatsoever. And that's that's probably uh, not the exception to the rule in a lot of places. That, that's probably how it is, you know. There's not that many grounds where you can actually park and have a full view of the ground and, and watch from the comfort of your car. Um, That's right. So, yeah, that, you know, that, it's making it very difficult. To me, it's also, as I said, just the support thing. And, um, you know, parents are the support staff at Junior Footy. You know, it's, they help out. Yeah. So, um, if they're well, stuck in their talking car, over, they can't do that. Yeah, yeah well, talking over here, we're, we're all set to get started. Everything's for NRLWA's done a great job and we've all, you know, we've, we've read everything. We're right to go. All the clubs of uh, committee members and volunteers ready to, because you've got to register, you've got to be registered with your clubs and everything. We're ready to go Thursday night Yeah. Um, and get ready. We, we're hopefully looking at an early July start, so five weeks of footy, but then it just makes you wonder, doesn't it, you know, what's going to happen. But anyway, watch this space, mate. As I said, when it comes federally, it involves all of us. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah, but every club has the right to make their own decision as well. So that, that's the other issue. If one club then says, oh, this is too hard and they pull out, then a second club might follow suit. And then, you know, some of the smaller competitions all of a sudden, instead of being, you know, six or seven junior teams in the competition, then it's four or five and then is it worth it? You have to restructure mm. a whole draw. Um, you know, and things are changing week to week. And, uh, yeah, you know, you, you, you can't blame individual clubs for making decisions that for the survival of their club. And, again, I've, I've noticed that that's already happening in, in New South Wales. And yes, Queensland. you did say that. Yeah, individual mm. clubs making that decision and then others will follow suit and then, you know, the, the, um, whole, the whole competition gets forced into a, a 
corner. Oh, where, where mate, I'd, I'd, yeah. I'd love nothing better than just to get the kids back on the field and even the senior guys, you know, they're, they're missing their footy. So yeah. I'd, I'd love in WA, we've got a wonderful opportunity because there's not a lot of football being played over East. We've got a wonderful opportunity to um, showcase our game, of course, because yep. we, we do the main game on NITV every week and yep. SBS. So that, you know, it's an op- wonderful opportunity for us if we can do it. So yeah. that's yeah. me speaking from here. But, um, yep. mate, i tell you what's a big week, isn't it? Hey? Yeah. A couple more sleeps, a few more sleeps. The NRL starts. And yep. just talking about George Williams as one of his teammates, John Bateman. Yes. Him. Hasn't he been in the news? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh. So, uh, yeah, interesting one for our listeners on, on both sides of the world. Uh, you mm. obviously, the people over here in England know John Bateman very well, and he, he's been an absolute standout for the Raiders. But, uh, yeah, that's, I, I like him because he gets on the front foot on his own social media and repels uh, any bullshit, so to speak, yeah. from the, right from the media right and from journalists yep. straight away. And the... Yeah, there's been a real shift towards this type of journalism over the last, you know, it's 10 or 15 years, probably even longer in sport where, you know, this sensationalism and sometimes, you know, making stories that don't seem to really exist. And he's one of the few, George, uh, John Bateman, who actually comes out and, and, uh, you know, challenges the the journalists about their story. So the big one this week has been that... uh, Fox Sports were, were reporting that um, he had asked for a release four times from the Raiders, and he just got straight out and said, "I have never asked for a release." So, but, but Sally, you're there. Just clarify that story, and um, because it really applies, the situation applies to a lot of players uh, in the competition and how how they're contracted. And um, yeah, his is an interesting one. So, fill us in there for us. Right? Yeah, well, that's what he. That's the thing, and. The thing he, he had an English manager, of course, and now he's he's got this Isaac Moses, who's a new manager and trying to do the right thing. John Bateman wasn't signed on a lot of money, Kim. I think four hundred thousand yep. in his first year, and no one knew how good he'd go. Yep. And he was a he was a sensation. Yeah, you know, one of the forces behind the Raiders making the grand mm-hmm. final. But he, he's he's coming out and said, like I said yesterday, never once have I asked for a release. Neither yep. has my management. Canberra gave me permission to talk to other clubs months ago because they're tight on the cap next year and have nothing for me from 2022. So we're talking from 2022. It's 2020 now. I have a renegotiation clause in my deal for every year and that's why I'm working through it. I love the Raiders and want to be here. So settle yourselves down and let's get talking about the season starting back up. Good on him. like it. Yeah, Definitely. He does it the right way, you know. He he just states facts, John. And uh, yep. you know, a lot of players uh, use their social media uh, in the wrong way, and have paid the price for that. Um, but he just gets out and, and says it how it is, and just wants to set the record straight. And uh, that's how you want your social media to be to be used. You know, if um, lies are being told, then just state the facts. Surely you can't get in trouble for for stating facts and. That's what he has done on a on a number of occasions now. It's not the first time either. Um, no, so hundred percent. Yeah, so mm. I, I think that's great. And you know, Isaac Moses has been around for a long time, but he's um, John Bateman's new um, uh, manager. He's obviously taken over from whoever he. Had that's him. right. That's right. Yes. Um, 
uh, you know, it sounds as though he's just doing what's in within his rights as well as a manager. And um, you know, Canberra have given hundred percent John the the opportunity to to ask around and you know beyond his future at Canberra. So not, nothing wrong with that. And uh, yeah, no. you know, until we're back on the paddock, the, these stories are going to keep coming up because journos get bored. I guess so. exactly, <laughs> Kim. You mentioned earlier. Yeah. About you're really looking forward to watching the Storm Raiders. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to watching the one referee, and yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm excited. I heard Des Hasler today over here say, "Just everyone take a deep breath, just enjoy the footy." Yeah, you know it'll all, we'll all work it out. I tell you what, they're a nice price at nine dollars fifty to win the comp too, just quietly the Sea Eagles. Yeah, there you go, listeners. They got a pretty good draw so, uh, too. Yeah, one of the nice better. draw. Wow, with the draw, Jeez, yeah. Parramatta got a nice one. But um, yeah, but yeah. at the end of the day, people are blowing up. Nick Politis is carrying on like a pork mm. chop over here. Yep. But the, the three teams who have dominated the comp for the last three years, four years, have been the Rabbitohs, Storm and Roosters, and they've probably got the three – they're the three clubs who've got the hardest draw. Yep. And that's the way it should be, Kim. Yep. Move on. Yeah. You know, I guess. Yeah. You know. My thing with the one ref, so you know, co- coaching in the, the Queensland Intrust Super Cup for, for six years, we – Yep. We had one ref every week unless you were a TV game. Okay, so you had two refs oh. when it was a TV game. And, and then the, right. over the last couple of years um, that I coached there, there might have been one other game a week where um, they also had the two refs. So so over the course of my coaching career in that competition, I, I got to experience both. I, I, I couldn't tell the difference, honestly. Right. From game yep. to game, it wasn't a talking point for us. Um, you know, if we had a TV game, we didn't, we weren't changing our game because there were two refs. It, it wasn't even spoken about. And I'll, I'll tell you, doing watching the game, doing the analysis afterwards, there was absolutely no difference to me as a coach. So, you know, as long as the refs did their job to the best of their ability, there was no difference. And so. Well, I think we all love international bit, rugby league, don't we, mate? Hmm. So, I think it's a little bit of a storm in a teacup. What I'm more interested in is that change of rule about the six again in, six in again. a ruck rather than a penalty. That's the thing that will make a bit of a difference uh, in my view. So, yeah, the, the other thing is your you touch judges just need to be right on, the, on their game and make sure their communication with the ref is spot on. And that, that's... As long as that's happening, you've still got three sets of eyes on the game, and that's enough for me. Jeez. A fourth one for nearly, me doesn't make much of a difference. You've nearly brought the soapbox out. <laughs> oh, you were very, very close. I nearly grabbed it. I nearly went to the cupboard because that's been my biggest beef for years. Yep. And I'm not blaming touch judges. I'm blaming the bloody referees. The referees have got to listen to their touch judges. Yeah. Yep. That's the problem sometimes. Yeah. So anyway, I, I won't bring it out yet. Yeah. Going, going back again just to say the Queensland Cup, but that was the thing that I noticed a, a lot. You know, they blood a lot of young referees and touch judges into that level of footy. And some games you would have touch judges who'd said nothing. And they were the new ones, inexperienced, you know, and they really would give the the man in the middle very little support. Other games, you would have touch judges who never showed up, you know, and were helping him yeah. out all game. And I prefer that. 
you know, no, I do too. As a coach, you know, and especially things with like outside back standing offside, you know, and it, they can police <laughs> that. They can police that. And there's a soapbox um, moment for you yeah, there. I think. Well, it's just, <laughs> I think, you know, they can really help the game if they do their job properly and if they're encouraged to do their job properly. And I think that's going to happen more now in the NRL. Their, their touchdowns are just eyes up, you know, do your job, talk, communicate effectively with the man in the middle. Don't overplay your, your, your role. It's just got to be that effective and efficient communication. And we won't see any difference, I don't think, in the speed of the ruck or anywhere else. And, uh, yeah, I'm just interested to see how this new rule goes well, with the six again rather than penalty. I definitely know you'll be up early. Well, Thursday's a lovely game for you. It's about midday, isn't it? About 10 o'clock kickoff, I think. So uh, you'll be yeah, right, 10 a.m. morning yeah. in the morning. You'll be yep. right. So yep. Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, you're going to be busy. And yep. Karen will be going, <laughs> where are you going? The footy's on. <laughs> Down in the bedroom, I like to go. Um, yeah, mate, like, like everyone else, we, yeah, we can't wait. You know, I, I know the rugby league community over here is um, starving for to see some games as well. And uh, Sky are showing the NRL games over here, so uh, yeah, brilliant. Uh, yeah, that's brilliant. a good boost. So, mate, again, great opportunity for the NRL to get the global brand out there. You know, 100 percent. Isn't it going to be interesting? It's going to be interesting, oh, except for the Bundesliga. No. Yes. <laughs> German soccer, please. Yeah. Um, I'll tell you the interesting thing is, you know, 18 rounds, bang, 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 no breaks. Yep. And then next week's games, no trials. So yep. these teams are straight off the training paddock. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. It's going to be interesting. Yeah. Well, that brings up another point, actually. I didn't... Um yeah, it's being reported that the Broncos are considering a bit of a rotation policy. And um, I got, I'll tell you, they won't be the only club considering that. They're, they're the only one that's put that out in the media, which I don't know is a great thing or not. But um, um, he likes the media. There'll be yeah, there'll be other clubs <laughs> who would be considering that for sure. Mate, we've got some very good thinkers in the game over there, so they they won't be Robinson Crusoe there. And, think they've come up with that idea there'll be other clubs considering that for sure so I think it's got some merit um because as you say you know a lot of rounds now without a, a buy or a, a rep weekend uh or you know any break oh, players. Uh, and at the moment there's no avenue for your your bottom half of your squad to get a game so um you know it, it has a number of benefits where, yeah, you know, you can rest some players who are under fatigue, doing it a little bit tough, and you, you then it's a, an avenue to give some of your other players um, some match fitness. And then if you do have an injury, they, they've got some match fitness to re- replace an injured player. So uh, it's got some merit how that works in reality. Um, I'm not sure. And you know, just, I, I well, was reading an article about where other sports have tried that before. It might have been in the NBA, actually, and the, the governing body came down on a particular club saying, well, we don't want you rotating players because um, you know, um, customers and spectators are paying big money to come and watch the best players in the game and you're putting mm. the best players on, on the sideline and they're not playing. So they, you know, they actually put restrictions in place. So... Yeah, that, that's also good. Oh, it's even, it's, it's even more important now. There's no Queensland and New South Wales Cup, Kim. So 
Yeah. That's the bottom line. You know, normally these blokes have been having a game of footy. Yeah. But you've got eight blokes who won't be getting that much. So, no, I'd be interested in the way the clubs do it. And mm. As you say, I think everyone will have a game plan and a, yep. a, a plan ready to go. And they can't wait to kick off, mate. So it should be really, really good. Yes. What about our sponsors? How good are they hanging on? Mate? Yes. They're going all right. Mate, we're going through tough times. So I've we'll worked through those. Um, how's Sully's painting going, mate? <laughs> oh, not bad, mate. Just cruising yeah. along. Yeah, doing yeah. not doing a lot. You know, doing enough. Yep, yep. Um, the uh, the other two sponsors, of course, uh, Set Play Performance Sportswear and uh, Poor Voice. We, we keep saying, you know, sports are getting closer and closer to getting back on the paddock, mm. particularly in Australia. So all your sporting gear, your, your sportswear, contact Boise there, Set Play Performance Sportswear. And our other, Strama, Rugby League Recruitment, Lukey Strama, um, as always, mate, he's, he's very busy. I've seen him all over social media promoting all his services and products. And I'd like Good. to give him a shout-out too, mate. He's just announced that um, he'll be a father for the second time oh, later in the year. wonderful. So congratulations, Luke. And uh, keep doing your, your thing, mate. He does a great job there. And still one of the busiest men in rugby league. That's what he Good does. Good on him. So I've heard Boyce's designing a captain's challenge Shirt, T-shirt, Kim. So I'm looking forward to seeing that. But um, the yeah, I'll have to get yeah, that done. Yeah. Well, well, you'll hear it now. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Get on to it. Um, but very interesting. I guess just to uh, just to um, uh, close up that segment. Or just the other thing I didn't mention about if the Super League in particular pushes into a December or January finish, then of course that that's the end of the Kangaroo Tour. Um, Correct. The reps all over, and we've seen Origin has now been locked in for was it fourth, eleventh, and eighteenth? Correct. November. Correct. No venues as yet. The no, Melbourne mate. Cup. Yeah. No, no venues. The day after the Melbourne Cup. Okay. Geez, if they got any brains, they take it to Melbourne, wouldn't they? Yeah, you would. Saturday <laughs> or Sunday Origin, sorry, and then um, no Wednesday. Oh, they Wednesday, Wednesday, Wednesday. Wednesday. Right, yeah, so yeah, yeah. sorry. So yeah, geez, that'd be a that'd be a hangover, wouldn't it? <laughs> <laughs> if you're allowed to vendor there. If you're allowed crowds, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. there'd be some big house parties going on, I can imagine. Uh, restricted of course to numbers, but <laughs> <laughs> that's getting bigger. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So um yeah, well that'd be interesting. have they suggested when we might know venues for origin? No, I haven't seen them yet. No, that hasn't been brought up. They just named dates first, and I think they're just happy to get through the venues, you know, for the uh, start of the NRL for that first block. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. that's interesting as well. Yeah, okay, because they've only allocated venues for the first few rounds. Is that correct? That's correct. Yeah. Yes, right, yeah. Yep. yep. Okay, interesting. All right. So uh, we got through a bit there, mate, some um, interesting stuff happening. It's just changing so much every week at the moment. That's to be expected. And, uh, yeah, yeah, by the next podcast, hopefully we'll have a bit more info about the the, um, Super League as well. um, Mate, we've got um, another segment this week. A a good friend of mine, a, a... a man you know from your days uh, down in Leeton. He, he was a former player with Naranda and it's been... The Lizard? Yeah, been in a, a, quite a few bush footy comps and uh, played over for played over here for Barrow uh, with Rod Reddy amongst others. And I had the pleasure of winning a premiership with him back in Shell Harbour in 1996. I 
would talk, of course, well, of the great Warren Wadza Butler, who's uh, one of those old school players. <laughs> uh, and like when I played footy with him, he, he was um, he was uh, getting you know towards the end of his or the twilight of his career. I'll be nice to him. We'll say the twilight of his career. And uh, I remember. Mate, he played. I'm sure he had no ACL. I remember sitting next to him in the mm. shed one day before a game, and he could move like the bottom half of his leg, like his shin, while he was sitting mm. um, about two inches. There was nothing yeah. on the stuff. He was one of the smartest and, and toughest players I, I oh, played with. Well, I saw him at his best, Kim. Yeah. I, yep. I played against Warren. I, yep. I played against Warren when he was at Naranda, and yep. I'm pretty sure they won a comp. When he was playing as well, I'm, I'm yeah. pretty sure the Narendra Lizards did. And then he went to Mittagong, didn't he? Yeah, he was a Group Six um, legend. Yes, Group Six. That's right, Group yeah. Six. So, um, no, he's a good man, and as you say, he was a very smart footballer. Yeah, very clever halfback. Yeah, very very clever yeah. halfback. That's uh, when he, when I started playing with him, he was in the forwards. He'd slowed down a bit, but his mind was uh, still as quick as ever. So, uh, mm. but he's a. He's an old school guy and he's he's got a bit of a rant for us. We're going to call it Wazza's Wind Up <laughs> and hope to make this a bit of a, a weekly or fortnightly thing. And uh, he, he's in particular upset with what he calls the softness of the modern day player. And uh, we'll go to him in a sec, mate. He's, he's got a bit of a three-minute thing he pre-recorded for us. But in the future, we think might get him on live and just try and wind him up completely and uh, get him the... <laughs> Get him to lose it. Get him in the moment. Get <laughs> yeah. him in the moment. Yeah. So we're crossing this now. Uh, so was his weekly wind-up. Just sit back and enjoy. Okay, Kimbo, Sully, <clears throat> ladies and gents, here we go. Over the next couple of weeks, I'm going to introduce myself, but I understand my job on this sycophantic, slightly soft podcast is to bring some reality to the show. Despite the soft two hosts, I'll be in charge of going back to some of the great performances and reminding us all what Rugby League should be all about. We'll have some fun with memories of the greats of the old New South Wales Rugby League, QRL and the NRL. And I've got a fair bit of experience in country like Rugby League with 30 years of grade and about 13 clubs. So I'll chat about and relay a few stories of some of the bush legends I played with and against. Let's hope it's entertaining as Sully and Kimbo want this podcast to be a success and despite the fact that I dead set carried Kimbo for two years, I'm still certain he'll flick me if it's no good. So here goes, let's talk about toughness. Let's discuss what has happened to the game in recent years. We might have a look at some comparisons with the real tough guys of the past now I have a couple of now I have a couple of issues with modern footy. What the hell is going on with the head injury rules, the HIA? My God, what happened ever happened to proper toughness? You know what I mean? The old days when a bloke could get knocked senseless and still be able to seek revenge, and at some time in the game belt the shit out of the perpetrator. Retribution ruled. We would never have legends like Johnny Sattler playing an entire game with a broken jaw after getting smashed out of the blue by a nasty manly forward, John Bucknell. Now, John Bucknell was hardly ever heard of again, and Sats carried the Premiership Shield around at the end of the game. As if he had zilch happen to him, 
as usual, you can't hurt South players. But if we had HIA, we would never have seen this sort of courage or, as some of you might see it, kind of lunacy. Jesus, we got knocked out regularly and there's nothing wrong with us. But nowadays, young blokes are dragged if they can't remember their fourth cousin's mother's maiden name or the date Kennedy got shot or who the bass guitarist of the Doors was. Ridiculous. Who remembers when Lee's Davison knocked Peter Kelly's headgear into orbit in a scrum? And Big, big Kelly would have been carted off these days with no chance of revenge. He just said, oh shit, good it, Dodo, and then he packed in again. No penalty, just an opportunity for retribution. And if anyone remembers Charlie Frith and what he hit like, how many play- and how many plays he put into Disneyland, well, there'd be no reserves left. Many years ago, I played against a tough guy named Harry Sanson in Group 20, and I heard him ask our front rower, so, son, is it going to be tough or easy today? And if a headbutt came his way, it was clearly going to be tough, and he would proceed to smash our guy into oblivion. No headbin rule, coconut on coconut, and concussion all round. So over the next few weeks, I'll try to read remind Kimbo and Sully what real toughness was. So until then, go headbutt someone and give yourself a concussion. It never hurt any of us. Over to you, boys. What do you reckon, Sully? He's a passionate man, oh. old Wazza. <laughs> oh, mate, I can't wait. I'll have some fun with him. <laughs> <laughs> so as I, I'll you know, get him going. I'll get him going. Yeah, as I, as I said, the plan is to, to get him on and record him live while we're talking to him, not let him um, <laughs> be comfortable in, in his house there. And uh, I want to get him fired up. <laughs> I think oh, he's next. Mate, if, you, is, if that's my job for the week, you've got no yeah. problems there. Yeah, <laughs> we'll look forward to it. Thanks for that, Walter. And, uh, but, yeah, just for time to wind up um, the, the whole show, we'll get to a bedtime story. Oh, everyone's waiting. Everyone's waiting. <laughs> yeah, the highlight <laughs> of the week. But, uh, yeah, <laughs> had some very interesting stuff happening. And, um, yeah, I'd like to thank George Williams in particular again. He took his time out to do that interview. We, we didn't do yeah, a second did interview this mm. week because I thought he um, he was definitely worthy of just a, a spot by himself on this week's show. So uh, very good. We'll work on towards getting some. Mate, I did try and get Michael Morgan. You gave me one job and I couldn't do it. I did oh, no, he's, him, um, but, uh, he's injured, isn't he? Yeah, he's, he is. Um, so. Yeah. He's had the shoulder done, so he, mm. he won't play this week. He won't play no. for a couple of weeks. So. Yeah, yeah. So I'm I'll, sure he's doing his rehab, mate. Yeah, I'll, I'll keep trying. If you listen to Morgs or someone closer to him than I am, give him a yell and uh, we'll, we'll see what we can do. But uh, uh, regardless, we'll, we'll have some more interviews lined up for, for the next show. All right, done. Sully, my, um, my bedtime story, it's about, uh, about a truck driver I once knew who uh, used to – he had – a big like refrigerated truck and, and used to do a variety of jobs around the place. But he, he got this job one day um, to take um, a heap of penguins from a zoo up in Dubbo down to Taronga Zoo. And he, he obviously, because he had the refrigerated truck, the, the and, and going back a, you know, quite a number of years now, but the, the zoo owner up in Dubbo, Western Plains Zoo, and he said, "Mate, we've got to get these, got to get these twenty penguins down to Taronga Park. You know, to, 
We'll give you a hundred dollars if you, you know, throw them in the back of your truck and take them down to the zoo. So I mean, maybe he's there. Yeah, you know, it was good money back in the day. Gets the twenty penguins in the back of his refrigerated truck and heads off down, heading towards Taronga Park to take the penguins to the zoo. Anyway, he gets about halfway and his truck breaks down. He doesn't know what to do. No mobile phones in those days, you know. So he's sort of stuck on the edge of the road, and uh, you wouldn't believe it. Another another truck pulls over and happens to be another refrigerated truck, and the guy's empty. You know, so he says to me, mate, mate, what, what's the issue? He says, look, I've got these twenty penguins in the back. He says, I'll give you eighty dollars if you can get the penguins, take the penguins to Taronga Zoo for me. And the, uh, the driver goes, yeah, mate, no worries. So grabs his 80 bucks, throws the 20 penguins in the back of his refrigerated truck and gets down to, down to Sydney. Anyway, a couple of hours later, my mate gets his, front, uh, gets his truck fixed and um, heads down to, to Sydney, you know, to see if the job's being done and sort of heading into, heading into the guts of Sydney there into North Sydney and uh, he sees this bloke walking across the road with his 20 penguins. And my mate pulls over, runs over to the guy and says, mate, what are you doing? I gave you 80 bucks to take those penguins to Taronga Zoo. He said, yeah, we went, mate. I still have 40 bucks left over. Now we're going to the cinemas. <laughs> oh, I'm surprised you didn't take in a Lunar Park, Kimbo. Well, <laughs> is that still open? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. it's still oh, open. Yeah, yeah. yeah, Oh, that's <laughs> That's what, oh, dear, mate. Yeah. I'm, oh, I'm, I'm scraping Lovely. the barrel these days, Sully. Nah, that's all right, mate. That's all right. That's <laughs> all right. All right. It all gives us something to laugh about. Yeah, right, yeah. mate. Well, thank you. Yeah, thanks, mate. Another good episode. Uh, thanks again to George Williams. Thanks to uh, Wazza. Wazza Butler. Love the wind-up. Yep. And uh, we'll get him on again on the next show. But uh, all right. Enjoy the week ahead, and, Sully. We, and, we can't wait. Mate. Next next time we talk, we will have watched um, some NRL games back on the paddock. Yeah, Massey, mate, and thank you to you and thank you to our listeners. Yep, we, we uh, really appreciate them getting in every week. We had a little uh, extended break before this one, but, uh, yeah, hopefully that was worth the wait. So we'll be back again next week. So thanks, Sally. See you, everyone.